Welcome in, Kennedy. Could we just start off with a quick introduction of you and your childhood? My name is Kennedy Mitchell. I am 19 years old, and I am from West Frankfort, Illinois. I have my mother and my father, but they divorced when I was about four or five. And I have one biological brother with me who was who's a year younger than me. And then I had a, a adopted sister from another family when my father got remarried uh, around the time I was eight or nine. What was the personality of childhood you like? Were you a quiet kid? Childhood was, <clears throat> sorry, childhood was kind of difficult, if I could put it, for the, it wasn't a strong foundation at the start because my parents were young when they had me and my mother didn't feel like abortion was right, which is her opinion, but she really wanted a child and they tried going through with it, but things were hard and we have a very big family. So certain things that happened throughout childhood were not probably the most optimal for me or probably should have been, but it was, it was kind of difficult. And how did childhood you kind of react to these situations? What did you what did you do for fun? What did you do to fill in your downtime? For a while it was music because it was the most that drowned out everything. But around the time I went to around fifth or fifth grade, there was a reading competition. It was, if you read so many hours, it was simple, six hours, you could get a free ticket. And I was, I was like, why not? My mom said she'd take us for the summer if we got the free ticket, so I joined. And then after that, reading and music became one of the two biggest things I did. And I guess that's where it all started. All right, I think that's a pretty good place to transition. What we're actually talking about today is maladaptive daydreaming. How would you, Kennedy, define maladaptive daydreaming? For a while, I never knew this was apparently a big deal as certain people presented it to me. I was like, oh, I just daydream. But then once you get into a point where it's harder, it's more of an addiction that the only negative thing it does is waste time if you don't want it to waste time. How is it different than regular daydreaming? Regular daydreaming is something you go into when you're bored, but then you can just easily come right back out of it. Or when someone's like, hey, and then you're out of it. Maladaptive is, it's when you start it, it is this incessant pool to keep you there until there's nothing left emotionally for you to feel from it until you either drag yourself back, someone drags you back, or it just stops. Why do you think the music and reading kind of brought maladaptive daydreaming into your life? When I was young, my mother always told me I had my own daydreaming world. It was Kennedy's world. And of course, that was cute and everything. But as it got older, I didn't really have too many friends. I had friends, but I wasn't the extroverted sort, so I kept to myself a lot of the time. So I'd listen to music and then possibly daydream out the car, and it slowly got bigger and bigger over time. And books were like stories for you to think about all the time, so it just created an entire movie in my head if I listened to music and read at the same time.
What did these initial daydreams look like? Did they tend to just be copies of the books you read? What did they tend to look like at that younger age, at that fifth grade age? Fifth grade age was just whatever I thought of until I started reading books. And then when I started reading books, it was whatever the book was telling me when I was reading the book. But after like I finished the book, it would be my own personal spin as if I've made a whole new novel based off what I've read. And what were the common themes in these daydreams? And did one situation seem to arise more than the other? Like for some people, it's friends, family, power, anger, violence. Did your dreams seem to have a common theme? My common theme was if I almost had nothing to do or I was too stressed with everything, that that's all I wanted to do. Okay. It was a good peace of mind, I guess you could say, just for myself. Do you mind giving us a description of what these earlier daydreams may have looked like in detail? Like how I would feel and then what the daydream was? Yes. Okay, so the daydream... It would start off kind of almost out of nowhere, like I probably wouldn't expect it, and sometimes I do, but I would probably be sitting watching something, and then they'd probably bring up a keyword that I like to think about a lot, and it would slowly transition. Now, if I'm conscious enough, I end up pause what I'm doing, and it stays there. So if I'm watching YouTube, I'll pause it, and I'll sit and just stare at the screen like I'm thinking, but then my, br- my brain goes off on a track to slowly taking that small information and creating a whole story. So if it was like about a teacup, I'd be like, oh, teacup, I remember this one book. And then it would spiral and then would it would think about the book, the book I've read. It would think about that story I made with it. But then it'd be, well, that's not personal enough. So I'd put myself into that story and make my own world off that till I was done with it for the day. And how did this affect your school life, your family life, your relationship with other people? When I was younger, it really didn't have much of an impact until around sixth grade when I became a very avid reader. It was, okay, I can see I do it in some classes, and those classes are fine, but I kind of made a deal with myself. I, I wagered that I could do it in these classes, daydream, but I had to pay attention in this class. And that worked throughout about my freshman year of high school. In my freshman year, I was doing great. I was really quick at everything. My plan was fine. But after the pandemic, a lot of personal things happened. Of course, that was probably a big, big realization that, hey, this is probably not what I should be doing as often as I was. Did the pandemic heighten your maladaptive daydreaming, make it worse for you in a sense? Yes, because... When I had school, there was a moment of interruption for my brain to where I had to focus. But when you don't go to school and you don't really go to friends, you only stay at home in your room. I mean, as much as I loved being an introvert, that was the basic feeding ground for all my imaginations. I loved my room too much to make it my own living space that I would not leave it hours and hours out of day to the point where I would sit in bed and just do the same thing over and over, which was uh, harmful to my brain, my emotional status, and my health because I wouldn't move at all. At what point did this form of daydreaming for you become distressing? 
it became distressing around when we started getting back into school for our last two years. It was my junior year. This was my most distressing period for anything. And I couldn't focus in math at all. And that was my one key thing I needed to focus in because it was if I lose if I lose my momentum thought on that one process, I could not finish the math problem. And it was okay. Well, you can just look back at it. I'm like, no, I have to sit there from A to B, like I'm watching a movie to get the whole picture. If I miss one step, if I skip ahead, if I lag behind, either I have to be retaught the entire lesson or I cannot continue with that lesson. And that made it very difficult for gr- for grades. But it didn't get too bad because I found a way around it. But then a personal thing happened early that next year, which plummets not only my math grade, but also my SAT score. And I am still kind of recovering from that. What was the personal way you found around maladaptive daydreaming? It was, I don't have to be perfect because I was a kind of a perfectionist with certain things that I don't need to get all A's. I'm stressing my out to, stressing my, myself out too much that I don't need it for what I'm trying to do. It'd be great. It'd probably be a better advantage or whatever, but it wasn't something I should cry over when I got home or had a panic attack when I got home. And I essentially tricked my mind, like, if we just look at this continuously, we'll get the same momental picture as if my teacher taught me, as if I'm daydreaming it. So I essentially daydream the teaching lesson to teach myself. Okay, interesting. As you grew older, did the way you daydream changed? Like in your later years around now, are your daydreams still about the book characters, your twist on the storyline? It was it was the same, but I always have the same story every day for the last 10 years. From my very first book I read, it stuck with me for about, this would be its 11th year now, and around November. What book was it? It was, it was a book. Uh, I was given money for my birthday, and I went to buy a set of books to start reading. I was very, very young at the time, so I didn't start reading till, of course, the contest, but it was Divergent. And we were learning about dystopian fiction, and I ended up loving all dystopian fiction as one of my favorites. But as soon as I started Divergent, it stuck with me for a week after I stopped reading it to the point I felt no emotion. I couldn't cry. I couldn't get mad or angry. It sucked all my emotion, and I thought it was the most wonderful thing that a book could make me feel so empty, but yet craved so much more for it. I couldn't really find a book to replace it. So I've been doing daydreaming that story essentially or making my own twist on it every day, adding it at least five hours a day for the last 10 years. Do you daydream yourself into the storyline? Do you daydream yourself as one of the characters? How do you fit into these daydreams? Uh, I put myself into it. I kind of rewrite around me. I don't make myself a character because that destroys the character in my mind, so I, can't, I couldn't do it. But I would add myself and add other adventures. So if I got tired of one adventure and I learned something new from like mythology, I'll add mythology into it. Or if I learned something interesting in science or learned a new topic or saw something that I thought was interesting to remember or read about, it would somehow weave its way into one of my imaginations. So each day could be something completely different from the last day.
And sometimes it's just the same scene I had in my mind for about five hours. It just really depends. Have relatively these same characters been in your mind for the last 10 and 11 years? Most of them are the same, but I might add my own one or two different characters that I think might work, but it's always kind of been the same, or like a next rendition. Have these characters kind of grown up alongside you? Have they experienced age as you have? Yeah, because if my mind grows, that means everything I thought of would grow. So if it was something simple when I was younger, it'd probably be more complex when I was older. So yes, they probably did grow with me, and I just didn't realize it. And do you have an emotional attachment to these characters? Yes. I I didn't realize how bad it was as well when it came to my emotional stability. Is if Because I had to go to a funeral over the pandemic, and I didn't cry at all at the funeral. And this was someone close to me, so I was kind of thought I was broken in a way. But everyone was like, no, you just handle it more maturely. But then about two days later, when I was in my daydreaming habit, I... Imagine a character of mine died, and I could not stop crying. It was a really weird disconnection between real emotion and fictional emotion. And I would purposely put that on repeat as if I could, if I, that was the only way to make me cry. Is it typical for you to have emotional reactions to your daydreams, like crying, laughing, etc.? Yeah, there's times where my own brothers caught me in the middle of my episodes and he couldn't quite understand it like oh, I'm just thinking about something but it's quite normal sometimes but I've been I managed to keep a better hold of it because my brother noticed I had a harder breathing activity when I was daydreaming I would breathe, breathe heavier and my mother said I would just space out so it really just depends but I've tried to keep it as if I'm just off in space but it would get worse. I would start shaking or breathing heavily or crying or simply just really, really upset. Have you daydreamed in that way today at all? Like maladaptively or immersively? I have daydreamed this morning. Uh, sometimes if I go on social media, I don't try and stay on it much because TikTok was hard to get off of. I had to delete it because it was, it was something that would make my daydreaming so long. Because it was minutes and seconds and music. It was it was the worst place for my mind to go. Because it would just make it last longer. But yes, I daydream about the same. But a little shorter. Because I had a lot more in, uh, things keeping my mind occupied. Like work and school. And well, jobs and other adult things. That it kind of puts it aside. But it still finds its way back once everything calmed, calms down. What did you daydream about today or recently? Do you mind describing the characters, what you felt for us? I was listening to music, and it's a music that always gets my heart beating fast, like it's a, a rage song. Rage song, sorry. And I don't particularly listen to them, but more often than not, when I'm trying, I've been listening to it more and more recently because it's the one thing that gets my angry emotions out. So I'd, it'd be a more violent picture as of this morning it was. So I'm, I'm curious, what role does music or movement play in your daydreams? Movement-wise, some people tend to pace or bounce a ball while they daydream. When listening to music, it sometimes makes it easier for people to daydream. Music? <clears throat> um, that's a bit of a difficult question because 
Uh, I don't really pay attention what happens with when music starts, but I do catch myself from time to time. So I'd say depending the song depends how my body feels. So it's like a reflection. So if it's angry, I'm trying to get out negative emotions. So I'll probably shake or just look really angry or just very, very annoyed. But if it's sad, I'd be more tired, melancholy, depressed. It even got to that point. Are there any repetitive movements you seem to do while you daydream? I don't really move a lot unless my mind is on autopilot, just going to point A to point B. Because I, I try and keep myself still. So I guess the most thing I would do is shake or my head would tilt itself up as if I'm lo- looking to the ceiling. And kind of going back to TikTok and other social media you talked about, has the role of social media only been negative for you? Have you sometimes used it as inspiration? What role is social media playing for you? Well, I know for certain social medias, I don't really get on regular social media. The only one I got on was TikTok when it was becoming somewhat popular and my friends had it. So after that, I had it about five times in total, maybe six but I had to bring myself to get rid of it after about a week because I knew what was happening. In other social media, it would be fine because I'd look on it for a minute, but then I would get on Instagram for over two hours, and that was something completely different to me. Usually I only use it for informational purposes on certain authors' books or something like that, but then you have reels. Reels, shorts, TikTok, those are probably the most mind-killing thing because it's the quickest with whatever music you add to it and whatever I find interesting between the two, there is a higher chance I'd save it and then go to it later if I could not go to TikTok for its music. So essentially, I'm doing a carbon copy of TikTok from another platform. All right, interesting. Kind of moving back to the pandemic, you had to attend a funeral. I would say you used maladaptive daydreaming as an emotional outlet. Is that a common theme for you, using maladaptive daydreaming to express express emotions in your head you should be expressing in real life? It has always kind of been like that from when I was young. As, mu- as much as I love my family, we are not the greatest family as a whole. <clears throat> the, the way we do certain things is not the healthiest and the way some people are portrayed in my mind probably shouldn't be portrayed as much as I do so because how close I was or how I thought them at a younger age. So I you and I was very timid and quiet as a kid for various, various reasons that I kind of used that and progressed it through my life. So I was more a reserved child at the age of 19 when my younger siblings, who I should be, able to tell them certain experiences I could not and they had to tell me those experiences instead. What do you mean by they had to tell you certain experiences like you could not remember? So there are times where I could not remember certain things that they them two could swear up and down that no this happened and then there was times where I since I was so reserved I would not make out and make the mistakes that you would tell someone not to do so my siblings would not have someone to go to because they would go to me first, because we didn't tell our parents, obviously. It's like sibling rule 101. They'd go to me, and they would ask for advice on many topics, But because I was the oldest. I was three years older than my youngest sister and a year older than my brother. I didn't have anything to tell them that would be useful except the parents, oh, no, don't do that. But 
then when I started doing certain things that I normally wouldn't do, they would have a whole list at that point because I could not be there to give them certain advices. And they were much younger than me. Okay. Do you think daydreaming is, you've kind of described it as as compulsive. Is that a good word to use? Compulsive. Or addictive. It, yeah, it, it can be, especially when I make myself not do it. It's one of the hardest things because if I actively just do everything to not do it, it, it really brings my mood down and it really makes me agitated, irritated, anxious. Basically, if you were addicted, you need to do it again eventually or else you're just going to like, be completely different. Have you ever tried to stop maladaptively daydreaming, not just cut it out for a class period, but cut it out of your entire life? Yes. And that was honestly the probably the worst time to do it was when I did it because I was so upset with everything that I took out something I knew would fix, but I knew was also a very huge problem. And it put me down a spiral of depression at that point. What role does daydreaming play in your current life today? Right now, it kind of reverted back to how I was when I was a kid. It still, it still does its thing today, but it's not as potent as it was in high school. So I could probably go for a walk, daydream, but then I could stop it if I needed to look at directions or pause the music to look at signs or take orders at my job. Because when I was, during the pandemic, when I did get a job, it was hard to, I was daydreaming as I was working and it made it very, very hard to make sure I wasn't messing up and being rude to a customer. Are there any parts of your life you are currently dissatisfied with? Probably my high school years, because my freshman year was the first year of going to high school, but then I ended up having a pandemic. I didn't have a sophomore year, so I couldn't grow as much as I would wanted to. I didn't get a chance to try and go to a party until I was a week before I was 19. So I really didn't have a lot of a, adult moments I could have tried to take because it was all either stopped or my mind just was not willing to go through with it. And what does your life look like today? Are you a college student? Are you, are you working? What do you look like today? Right now, I have my first apartment. I have enough money saved aside, so I should be fine for the next five months. I do have a job that's down the street. I have a bike to get to and from work because trying to drive and daydream is something I didn't really feel putting myself into. So getting a license was not in the cards for me at the moment until I was able better to control it. I have a partner who I have not really told much about this yet. And I have siblings who still keep in contact with me and my father is about 45 minutes away, and the rest of my family is further down. Yeah. And I start college in the fall. Congratulations. Thank you. Is there a strong element of shame in maladaptive daydreaming? Yes. I, uh, when I was younger, when I was going through, I was very, I was a time-based person. I was a very organized and scheduled person. So if I had a schedule and it was messed up, I was very upset. And I'd feel guilty because I felt like I was wasting time because we only get time for so long. And then if you put it in your mind, like I do, or I did, 
you would say, okay, if I want to do this and I want to do this, this is the time, normal time period to do this before you're this age. And at this point, you're having to have a job or this. So you're still having a few years left to do this before you reach an age where you couldn't do anything. So I was putting my life down this tracker that I should get certain things done by certain times in order to get to my goal the quickest, which would spend hours obsessing over if I wasn't daydreaming to then if it was messed up or I had to change it again, it would just tire me and just make me upset because I feel like I'm wasting time, which played a role with my depression because I was really terrified of death or not living my life to the fullest. Who in your life knows that you're a maladaptive daydreamer? Like, who have you told? I tried explaining it to my mother, and that was hard in itself because as I would go to my father because I was much closer with him than I am with my mother. But the last time I went to my father, it didn't go too well. So I tried. So I tried. Um, so I tried to avoid telling him first at all costs. So I'd tell my mother, but my mother wasn't so open-minded i guess why don't you tell more people why don't you for example tell your siblings or your partners uh i started telling more people it was a project for high school because i'm like well this might be interesting for people to know but it kind of it was a little judgy like how could you sit and daydream for so long and not realize it or something like that which didn't really bother me. I get it. But I'm like, there's people who have other issues that you would, I guess, feel more compelled to agree with than others that it would take harder to get over. But an addiction is addiction. It's always going to get hard to get over, in my opinion. So whether it be simple or very, very complex, you could still, it's still difficult to get done. What does the Kennedy in your head look like? What characteristics does she have that maybe you don't? She's a lot bolder in my head than I am. Which, and then she, the way she's shaped is a lot more differently than I am and the way she's grown. The way she adapts to each story. She's, more, she's built like a warrior. Interesting. Is there a part of you that wishes you were that Kennedy? Yes. Yes, there is because it'd probably teach me to be a lot stronger and more bold and not like a doormat to be walked on. But after I put her through so much in my own mind, at the same time, I'd think no, because that is just a lot of pain. I don't think I should want to try and take on by myself. Do you wish you were not a maladaptive daydreamer? There are times where I agree and disagree. I agree for the extinct, the extended length, but I would disagree because I was the most creative in my own mind that if I talk to other people, if I tell them about how I read, they're like, well, I don't daydream when I read. I'm like, well, then how do you read? They're like, I just read the words. So there's no picture. If I could not have a picture, I think that'd be very boring. I'd just be reading words. I wouldn't see no movie, no type of color, no description. But it's like a gif, but that gif can also be very bad. Do you see maladaptive daydreaming being a permanent part of your life? Yes. At this late of age, for doing it since I was so young, I have a feeling it's not going to leave. I just have to find a better way to not make it the main thing in my life, which has been 
uh, an up and down thing since sixth grade, fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade, basically when I could daydream. And does that scare you? It, it used to scare me, but now it's now I know that I can't be perfect and there's going to be times where something happens. I just have to find a way to either fix it or do it just another day. Try not to push it off long because I'd be starting up my workout routine again because that also played a role in my health. I stopped doing that, which I should have not done, but it, it kind of took a pause. Like my body needed it. What do you think makes a maladaptive daydreamer and others not? Why were you able to escape in this way? What are your hypotheses on what creates a maladaptive daydreamer? Uh, I would think just how they were raised, the environment could have a huge effect. If it's a negative environment, they're going to seek something out to fix that negativity. It could be certain people, certain things, media, society. It, it's too broad to very narrow it down unless there's a lot more conductive study. But if I had to think, it'd probably be the people you're growing up with, your community, and the place you're living in because it has a big impact. And then, of course, what you see as an individual when you go on the Internet, it's a very, it's something like that. How did you discover what you had was actually called maladaptive daydreaming? Uh, I was, it was over freshman year, probably the first week of the pandemic that we were supposed to go back to school the very next week. And I came across this, it was on TikTok and I came across a video about what the effects of maladaptive daydreaming are. I'm like, that's a different term. So I went to look it up. And I saw all the check marks. And I'm like, I don't think I have this. I'm not going to self-diagnose myself. But after about a year, I was like, I think I really need help. And I brought the idea up to my mother because she told me, well, you daydream since you were like as long as you can remember. So it was a very prominent thing that we didn't discuss it was ever an issue because it doesn't seem like an issue until it was an issue. And did you ever end up getting any specific help for maladaptive daydreaming? No, I did not. I tried getting into therapy about three different times. Because at first I was very adamant I never needed it up until my freshman year. And then my mom suggested, and then I just said no. And after a year, I asked about it. And she was she's a type of procrastinator and also... We never got along, so if I would ask for it, it had been harder to either get it or she would say she would do it but never did, so after a while I just stopped asking. But it was around the time I got a job that I, I tried seeking therapy, but I could not afford it at all for even a session. And it was very devastating, and I, it's not like I could contact someone from the school because we did have issues with DCFS a long time ago that would resurface, and at that time I was... 14, 15, that I really didn't feel like going with her all that over again. And I didn't really trust the school because the school was also a huge issue in itself. Kennedy, what are your current dreams, hopes, and aspirations for your future? Well, I figured out a way to have maladaptive daydreaming around because I knew if I didn't have it and it completely went away one day, I would probably be very upset because therefore I could not be as creative, creative as I was.
So it took a while to figure out what I actually wanted to do. So my dreams were to go travel the world, travel abroad. But I thought, okay, well, I need something with that in case that doesn't work out. I'm a planner. So I was going to go for uh, video game developing, computer programming, electrical engineering, radio, anything and everything that I really found an interest in, along with learning about mythology, Greek mythology, Egyptianology, Norse mythology, and then language, linguistics were also a huge thing. So I was just going to go down the path of computers because that's technical and it'll keep my mind occupied. But also if I was a game developer, it gives me that outlet to use my imagination through the video game. So I'm working, but daydreaming and daydreaming it into a reality, essentially. What type of person do you hope you'll be? I hope to be a more healthier person, a more wiser person, probably a lot happier than I was as my younger years, and to not be so scared of trying something without a plan. I just like to not have to worry. Are there any final words you have, Kennedy? Any pieces of advice surrounding maladaptive daydreaming you'd like to share? That there is help. There is communities of people like ourselves that we build into because we know that it's harder to get help outside. So if you just find a community, it will be a lot easier to fix it within that community before professional help will actually be a, a main thing. So for all of those who think they have this, might have this, feel something similar, try going to a community or talking to someone within the community that could, that you would safely say, yes, you might have this and these are things we can help you with or don't try anything drastic. It's, it, it'll get better over time. I, I'm pretty sure. All right. Thank you, Kennedy. I think that's all our time for today. Are there any questions you have for me? Uh, No, but thank you for this opportunity. Okay, have a good day. Have a good day. Thank you.